This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst, Richard Fagnett, joined by Director of Scouting of 24-7 Sports, Andrew Ivins, and also producer Lance Glenn, who's going to help moderate today's mailbag episode. We're going to make this a thing every Wednesday now. And Lance, you were kind of the, uh, the guy in charge here, so we're going to let you ask the questions. Andrew and I will do our best to give good quality answers, but the floor is yours, my friend. Nice. I look forward to to shows like these where where I make the rules now. I'm in charge. <laughs> Screw you guys. But, right, don't, uh, no. Yeah, don't get carried away. We are uh, mailbag episode. We got five questions coming up. Good questions. Thanks to everyone who submitted them on Twitter and of course uh, on Apple Podcasts for the reviews. Make sure to to spam those reviews. Give us those uh, five stars. Send in your questions. You can definitely uh, hear them answered on uh, mailbags in the future. So first question. Um, this one is going to be from Ryan. Uh, he asked, what is the one position you guys think is the hardest to project and also the hardest when they get to college to ultimately develop into NFL talent? Coop, you got the tee box here or, or yeah, what? Yeah, sure. No, that's it, a great question. I was thinking about it earlier. Uh, we do have a little bit of a script, so this, this one didn't catch me completely off guard. I, I would have to go with defensive line uh, i think that's in my experience it's a, it's a very difficult position to project there have been some guys going back to my days at washington that i felt really strongly about in the evaluation process that didn't end up working out for a variety of reasons um and i think at the defensive line position there's a lot that goes into it, not only the physical development of the player, but the technical development of the player as well and your ability to process. I don't think a lot of people think about cognitive ability when it comes to defensive line, but I think spatial awareness is really important. Uh, so I would say defensive line. I think defensive line is the one where I've had the most personal misses, where I've had to really go back, study, and try to figure out, okay, why did we not get more out of the player when – there was a handful of indicators that would tell us, hey, this guy's going to be successful on a Saturday level. So defensive line, uh, like I said, I think it can be for a variety of reasons. And I also think the position environment is really important. I think a really good teacher there is huge in terms of individual success. So I, I think the development of talent and then also having a coach 
that really knows how to understand and teach the nuances of the position is is critical to the development of the player. All right. So what I had written down, I think I'm looking at it through a different lens, but I do think this answers the question. So I think the hardest or one of the hardest positions to project for us, other side of the line of scrimmage, offensive tackle. Um, and I bring that up, you know, I was at the FBU Top Gun camp over the weekend. Prospects from, you know, 25, 26, 27, 28, right? And, and, and they want you to go over to the the younger fields and, hey, maybe identify some guys that can play in the FBU All-American game. And, and I think for me, for our job, like projecting offensive tackles that are going to get drafted at an early age is extremely difficult. You don't know how big these kids are going to get, right? And a lot of times, the offensive tackles playing another position. And I went back to the 2023 NFL draft. You know, the first four guys off the boards, that'd be Paris Johnson, Darnell Wright, Broderick Jones, Anton Harrison. I mean, they were all high-profile tackles, blue-chip recruits. You kind of knew with them. But then when you start digging into it, right, looking at some of the other guys that went, hey, Day two, uh, Cody Mock, you know, he was a quarterback and tight end in high school. Uh, Blake Freeland started two years at quarterback, also played some tight end and fullback, was an elite thrower, Gatorade player of the year for track and field as a senior, won, won titles in the shot, discus and javelin. Um, Dewan Jones, primarily a basketball kid, had mid-major offers. Uh, Colby Sordle, late bloomer, uh, grew up playing hockey. Jalen Duncan didn't start playing football until he was 15. Jake Witt, tight end turned offensive lineman, was initially playing eight-man football. So I think for us, if we're looking at it through this lens and maybe not, hey, the college side, when you're about to get these guys in the building, I think offensive tackle is is probably the hardest position for us. I don't know if you would agree with that, Cooper. So one of my position audits right now for 2025 is – offensive line right so i have the, the tackles in the interior and i think you make a great point what i realized is i kept seeing this pattern in my evals right you're going through 23 guys in the top 247 at the offensive tackle and i kept saying raw and pass protection raw raw yeah right and, and you keep going through and you you keep seeing those same buzzwords like okay foot mechanics plays a little high needs to learn how to sit in the bucket needs to learn how to anchor and then you realize it's like one, all these guys are super young physically. Two, they haven't grown. And three, from a technical standpoint, they lack experience, right? So I think from a, a growth standpoint, from their sophomore to their junior year is where you see the most growth on the field from offensive alignment. Now, another part about this is you see a lot of physical growth, growth as well. A lot of these guys we have labeled as tackles that are sub 6'4", right? And a lot of that is ultimately going to be decided on what position they're going to play or how we're going to designate them over the next year. Because a lot of the times you come back a year later and these guys have grown an inch, inch and a half, right? So I think that development from sophomore to, to senior year, and I think what you said is really interesting. I mean, you talked about guys with multi-sport backgrounds. You talked about guys with multi-positional backgrounds. I do think that's kind of the key to offensive linemen. It's, it's finding the guys that have played not only different sports but different positions that understand speed and space and timing. 
and are they flexible athletes? And, you know, there's, there's, there's different, different case studies for different guys that are different heights and weights that can play in different offensive schemes. We just talked about Georgia on our last podcast, right? A lot of those guys are power scheme, offensive tackle bodies, right? They, they wouldn't thrive in a zone scheme. So yes, I, I think the commonality here between what we're both saying is that projection on either side of the point of attack is very difficult. Can I toss out like two more positions and then we can move on? I think quarterback, you don't really know until the bullets are flying. I think that's that's very difficult. I do think camps can – I'll steal a term from you here, Cooper, muddy the evaluation. Some guys are great throwing without shoulder pads on. Then you put on the shoulder pads and it's it's a different story. And then this is like hyper-specific. But I think in the state of Florida, and maybe not so in other parts of the country, but like tight end and linebacker, off-ball linebacker, it's impossible to evaluate them at the high school level. Everyone in South Florida, you know, south of Orlando, they take their linebackers and are like, just rush off the edge. That's what you're going to do every snap. It doesn't matter if you're 6'2", 215 pounds, go get the quarterback. And then with tight end, no one's in line. I was talking with a power five tight end coach and he's like, yeah, why would I, why would I recruit Florida? No one blocks. Everyone's just a jumbo receiver. So I do think that makes it a little bit difficult. And then you look towards the NFL draft, ain't no tight ends or linebackers coming out of Florida. I'm talking about pure off ball linebackers. That's fascinating. Raylan Wilson's one that comes to mind, even though he's not in the NFL. Um, well, he, he is an hour from the border, by the way, an hour from that Georgia border. I think the other one is for me running back. You know, I, I find it pretty interesting because it's like you see guys uh, like Lance, like Isaiah Pacheco, right? that go in the seventh round and then all of a sudden, hey, that this guy's a culprit of Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl run. And it's it's interesting how you value that position depending on what building you're in, right? And like, all right, can you scheme up the success here? Like, does this guy have one or two traits that fit us specifically? Whatever it is. And, you know, I talk about Quinshawn Junkins all, all, all the time on here. It's it's not so much of like bottom bottoming out on your evaluation as it is maybe understanding the potential ceiling of the player at that position. Like that's one position where it's like a lot of what you're evaluating is not really quantifiable. Vision and patience, right? It's very it's very difficult to quantify in terms of the evaluation process. So and you know like we. We had we talked to Jim Nagy. He was talking about the number of Hall of Famers that weren't even sub four or five at the position, right? So I think that that position has so much more to do with feel and instincts. Yeah, good question yeah. though. I like yeah, that good, question. Good question. Good question from Ryan. Obviously, a lot of positions hard to project, hard to develop, but that's what makes it so much fun. Andrew, I'll go to you with this next one from Earl. Can you take us behind the scenes? of how you handle keeping every kid's profile on the website up to date when it comes to offers, visits, et cetera. And actually I'm actually, I'm really interested in this too, because I don't even think I know. And I've obviously been working with 24 seven for, you know, going on three years now. So uh, take us through that process of just keeping everything up to date um, and relevant really when it comes to these really thousands of kids. 
You say thousands, and uh, th let's be clear: like there's an unlimited pool of work <laughs> to be done, unlimited, unlimited, unlimited. Um, and it's it's not easy, you know. A lot of the analysts, whether those be team site guys, I mean, they have access to the back end. They can they can add the offers and whatnot, but there are periods of the year where it is simply overwhelming, like 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 a spring evaluation period, right in May you know, I get tagged in 300 offers a day. And, and you look at someone like Steve Wiltfong, I mean, he's getting 500 a day. And you try to keep up with it the best you can. But the reality is, I mean, we just don't have the manpower. Um, I, I added this up just to give people, you know, a, a firm grasp of, of what we're talking about here. If you look at the 2024 cycle, and the 2025 cycle in both Florida and Georgia, there are 583 kids ranked right now. That's 583 profiles to keep track of. You go through my 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 Twitter messages. I mean, we're talking thousands of unreads. Uh, so you try to you try to get to what you can. I always kind of say, you know, <laughs> the, the big names are the ones that that make us the money. You know. And those are the ones that are are, are going to get the the priority, the, those big markets. Now we try to do, and last week I, I think I spent an entire day watching group of five commits, <laughs> which is very, very time consuming. I mean, you could easily, hey, rank this kid a X number based on the offer sheet, but we don't do that here at 24-7 Sports. I mean, we are digging in, finding verified information, watching the kids. And I, I mean, I'm sure Cooper can tell you, but like, there are a group of five commits out there that you're like, whoa, this is an absolute steal for somebody in terms of like, I, I bet you this kid gets gets poached later in the cycle. So that's that's I think kind of answering the question, but you know, it's an unlimited pool of work. And I think the misconception is for a lot of parents, because I get these questions all the time, like, hey, can you make my kid a profile? Hey, can you make my kid a profile? Like they think the profile is the key to getting recruited. And I would kind of push back on that. I think what is more important is getting to one of these events where you are put into a database. Cooper's brought it up in the past, the UC report, uh, which is a, a database. We subscribe to it. 64 of the 65 power five schools subscribe to it. Like college recruiting departments aren't going to 24 seven sports and pulling up the profile to, to learn information on a kid. They're going to the UC report to get the verified information. So I always think that's more important. I will say though, I will say like adding a little bit of context here, I do think in terms of profiles being updated, there is a little bit of like what I, I guess I would call like a, a dragnet, right? Um, there is a, process out there where programs will track other programs so like for instance if let's use alabama for example if there's a if they want to keep track of the players in state that have received offers at a lower level they'll track everything that uab southern alabama uh handful of other programs do in their home state right and then from there those prospects will then register into their database and then will go into their evaluation pipeline, right? So at least there will be an initial evaluation on the players in state that have the ability to play FBS football. So that, that would be the, the only 
context that I could think of in that in that case. No, no, Evans, I think you brought up something interesting uh, before. You said that you get tagged in as to Steve, as I'm sure you do, Cooper, and uh, all of our various recruiting analysts too. They get tagged in these tweets with offers. You know, X kid got an offer from X school. Do you use those tweets to, I guess, input yeah. data into a profile? Like, Absolutely. do you have to verify those? Or, or, or no, when so you see a tweet like that, do you just kind of, you know, take the kid's word? I mean, again, if I was just doing database entry, it would be a 80 hour a week job. So what I'll, what I'll traditionally do is I'll come across a kid, line them up with the t their, their timeline and be like, all right, he visited this school on this day. He got this offer on this day. And then, I, you know, so yes, maybe it's not getting updated in real time, but tweeting out the offers and, and putting them out there for us to see in your own timeline of sorts makes it easier for us to kind of go back in and there i mean like most nights when i'm watching tv i'm sitting there you know editing auditing profiles I, I think some other things we need to bring up like for example we are currently going through our our, our our 2025 and right now that's not a super priority just with everything that's going on in 2024 so as we are auditing these positions as a group like i'm going in adding information because hey we have time now to do it for these class of, of 2025 prospects. And the last thing I'll say, you know, I mentioned watching all those group of five commits. Like, I think that is one of the most beneficial, you know, kind of exercises you can do, right? It's easy to pop on a tape of a kid and be like, all right, this kid's elite. But, you know, every time you're watching someone else, it's like, all right, this is a, this is a data point. This is an exposure point. So, uh, it's super valuable, but it is is time consuming. Yeah, good good question there from Earl. And it's always interesting to, well, obviously we talk a lot about scouting and rankings and prospect evaluation on the show. We always get to kind of peel back the onion, uh, as they say, and take a look into uh, what really makes 24-7 sports and the recruiting database go. Uh, this next one, Cooper, I'll go to you from Nick Barone. This is throwing back to your time. Uh, actually, in recruiting offices, he asks, Cooper, from your time in recruiting, who are a few prospects that got away that bother you the most? Great question. Um, I I'll start at Washington. Um, Zach Charbonnet, you know, was a guy that I think we, we've talked about on this show before. I, I loved him. I mean, he just, we, we all did. Um, Chris Peterson, Bush Hamden. Keith Bonifo, the running back coach at the time, it was us in Michigan. UCLA was kind of in the background a little bit. And he ended up going to Michigan and ultimately ended up telling us that he was going there because he loved what they did in their strength conditioning department. So that was a big blow. We, we didn't feel like there was a lot of elite talent on the West Coast, like even – you know, Bijan Robinson was an exception, but that's kind of like the the you know the the Mountain West region, if you will. Um, so a guy like that, that was a huge priority. Uh, a couple others, Jordan Botello, um, you know, out of St. Louis and Hawaii, we loved him. Ended up going to Notre Dame. I think his career has been a little bit up and down. Henry Toa Toa as well. Um, you know, I've had that one all all but done. Uh, ends up going to Tennessee. And, um, you know, all those guys that uh, recruited Henry to Tennessee, they have a show cause in the NCAA. So you can, you know, put two and two together there. 
Um, yeah, that <laughs> one was tough. And then Nick Herbig um, ends up going to Wisconsin. And like two guys I mentioned, or three, three I named at the linebacker position. Uh, another one I named at running back. Like if you're on the West Coast and you can't recruit east of Texas, you got to capitalize. Um, so Drake Jackson, another, um, you know, we always knew USC was going to be really hard to beat there, but those are the guys I think of John Humphreys was another guy. Um, believe it or not, I think the window was actually open at some point with Bryce Young at, at UW super, super early on. Um, that was one of those recruitments you would have had to one through 100, you would have had to do it right. Um, so I, did he visit? I think super early on, um, like as a sophomore before his recruitment even really started to like, you know, become yeah. what it became. Um, but I wasn't there at the time. So, um, yeah, those are a couple that came to mind. The thing that I was the proudest of was the, the receivers, um, was Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze, you know, who I think are, are two of the best in the country. And I think two guys that have a chance uh, to potentially go day one. And um, it's funny how life works out, man. Like, I don't know if they would be having the success. I, I very much doubt it that they would be having the on-field success that they've had if it wasn't for Kalen DeBoer, right? And he's kind of been able to unlock them. But those were those were some of the misses uh, when I go back and, you know, say like, wow, those guys could have changed us. Uh, Ali Cajo was another one. Ends up going to Alabama. You know, we had him done. He was signed with us, done enrolling school. Alabama somehow gets him in. It's like you're bringing a spoon, a plastic spoon, you know, to a <laughs> gunfight. That's really what it is at the end of the day. So that that stuff that happened, that's all legal now was a huge pain in the ass. Super frustrating. Yeah, really interesting, the, uh, the Henry Toa Toa one uh, as well that you bring up. Uh, but a good question for Nick. Always always good to reminisce and, and look back and can look I, back at the hits as well as, as well as some misses too. What's up, Ivans? Can I, can I toss out, I mean, I don't have a one that got away, but a, a re-ranking I wish I could have. Let's hear it. Aranda Gadskin, the second at Syracuse. He was during the COVID year, right? So I was in charge of Florida. Had him as like a low three-star. Wish I could have that one back. I think what PFF has him as the number eight returning receiver in all of college football, probably going to get drafted. Had almost a 1,000 yards last year at Syracuse. And I did a self-study. I was like, all right, like how did I miss this? And when he was a senior at American Heritage, which is like an NFL factory, I mean, he only caught 16 passes because they wanted to run the ball. But after we graded him, after he signed, he takes fifth at states in the 300-meter hurdles and was the district champ in the 110-meter in the hurdles. And it's like, well, I wish I had known that. So, uh, And his dad obviously played in the NFL, caught Dan Marino's last pass there for the Miami Dolphins. So that is one I'm going to be salty about all of this upcoming season and probably through the draft process. Well, look, it's important to obviously, you know, learn from past experiences, grow from them, and uh, and move on to be even better in the next go round. Let's move on. Good question, Nick. Let's move on back towards the commitments, recruiting, prospect evaluation aspect of it all. Uh, Demon Williams, four star quarterback, is back on the board, a top twenty quarterback for us in the twenty twenty four class, and 
he is right now, I think, the only one in the top 20 to currently be uncommitted. Although, as soon as he decommitted from Ole Miss, a lot of crystal balls went in towards Arizona. So this is a question from John Owens of the top 20 quarterbacks. Damon Williams is the only one available. How surprising is it that all these guys are already off the board, especially if Williams does seem to be leaning towards the Wildcats? I mean, it's 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 not at all. And the quarterback recruiting is so accelerated. Look ahead to the 2025 cycle. 14 quarterbacks are already committed in that in that wave. I would say by the end of the July before their junior seasons get underway, I, I would not be surprised that that number crept towards 20 or over 20. Like this is just this is how it works. Now I'll say this: expect a shuffle. Like a shuffle is absolutely going to happen. And I wrote this down. If you look at the lat at the top 20 quarterbacks in the 23 cycle. All of this happened after Halloween. Dante Moore went from Oregon to UCLA. Jaden Rashada from Miami to Florida, eventually to Arizona State. Lincoln Kineholtz from Washington to Ohio State. Austin Novosad from Baylor to Oregon. Kenny Minchie from Pittsburgh to Notre Dame. Sam Levitt from Washington State to Michigan State. Marcel Reed, Ole Miss to Texas A&M. And Brock Glenn, Ohio State to Florida State. So I'm not surprised, but I will say a shuffling of the arms is going to happen. I'd echo that. I think the, the the quarterbacks are their own, they're their own entity. You know, we just got done talking on our last episode about the timeline and in college football, what that looks like, why you why you are seeing programs fill up three quarters almost all the way full. Georgia number one in the country. You got twenty six commitments on July eleventh. Right now, that 85 number is essential. That's what they need to stay under, the number of scholarships. But I think quarterbacks like Drew, I think if you took a three-year sample size and looked at the top 15 quarterbacks over the last three years going back to 2022 and their commitment dates, uh, not where they ended up signing, but the first program they ended up committing, I would say the majority of those those recruitments are already done by the time you get to middle of July. And I, I say that pretty much as fact. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's um, to answer the question. It's, it's not outside the norm. I think the norm is, is what we're seeing. And then real quick, what do you think about Demond Williams potentially to Arizona? I kind of love it. I love it. You know, we talked about Elijah rushing and the impact that it could have. It's like the first one counts. It matters, right? And you look at the kind of gravity and the pull and, I mean, both those guys' in-state prospects. The other thing we're not talking about, I really like that fit with Jed Fish. You know, he's, he's an elastic mover. He's athletic. He's a gamer. He can make things happen. I think that's the right environment for him. And they kind of all have – they all have that uh, – so. Jaden Delore there now, right? Yeah. With Fafiti. Is that correct? Right? Who they brought in from Servite? Yep. And then potentially Damon Williams. I mean, you talk about continuity from a skill set standpoint. That's huge, right? And it kind of reminds me of the NFL. Like we've seen like Baltimore and what they've done with Tyler Huntley behind Lamar Jackson. We've seen what Arizona has done behind Kyler Murray. Like 
or if number one goes down, you shouldn't have to change your scheme based on your quarterback skill set. So I, I like the continuity of what, what Jed Fish is doing. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not to go, not to go too into the weeds uh, of Arizona, but if they do end up landing Damon Williams, uh, and this was asked on Monday's episode of the College Football Recruiting Show, it was phrased as essentially "Is Jed Fish legit?" But uh, how how surprised are you that Jed Fish is is pulling? Like, is, is this shocking to you that he's pulling this off with Elijah Rushing, potentially Damon Williams? Obviously, had a really good class a couple of years ago for Arizona coming off what I think was a one-win season for them. I mean, the progress is there on the field, obviously. I think they finished with five wins last year, but I didn't see this coming from Jed Fish. He was a more of an under-the-radar hiring compared to a lot of other hires that cycle. But, um, I mean, he's really, at least to me, you know, an unbiased observer on the opposite coast, uh, really impressing in terms of his recruiting ability. My, my, my biggest skepticism of any coach that comes from the NFL to college is how are they going to adapt to the relentlessness of the recruiting calendar and then roster construction. I, I, I feel like I've felt this before, but experienced scouts or coaches that come with a background on Sundays and they go to Saturdays, the game of projecting 16, 17-year-olds to a collegiate roster versus projecting 22 to 24 year olds is a completely different game. So that one, that would have been a huge question for me Two, He's had a vision from day one at Arizona from a recruiting standpoint, and he's implemented that. And this doesn't happen. What you're seeing here with Elijah rushing, the job that they've done, Justin Flo coming over in the transfer portal, this doesn't happen without laying brick by brick from day one. And it all started with a single step. So I, I think he's done a tremendous job from the alumni that he's brought back into the program, not only from a day-to-day operational standpoint or recruiting standpoint and from a 30,000 feet standpoint, he's injected much needed juice into that program. And it feels to me like he has pressed all the right buttons. And the other thing about this is I've seen coaches do that before, yet not yield the results on the field. One in 11 in his first year, five and seven in his second. I think they're even going to be more competitive this year. I mean, the arrow's pointing up. I, I love what he's doing. And I think in you know, a Pac-12 now where you're, you're losing USC and UCLA kind of opens things up. 
and maybe some other teams are wondering how that's going to impact them in a negative way. I think Arizona sees that as a huge plus. I'll I'll add like no, did not see this from Jed Fish. He was not hired because he was a good recruiter, but I think he surrounded himself. I think Arizona does an excellent job of evaluating, picking their battles. You know, I saw Jed Fish two years ago at St. Thomas Aquinas during what that winter contact period and and they were going for guys and they they almost got Mason Taylor who is you know a, a star tight end at, at LSU Camden Brown wide receiver at Auburn they almost got him so you see them in Florida they were at IMG spring game I I, I just think what they've done with that staff they understand who they are I mean there's someone in that building that hit me up last year and they said hey who is the kid in Florida that is a basically who's a South Florida dog that that doesn't have the offers? We we want to go get that kid. So I think he's changed the culture. I think they have a plan, as Cooper alluded to, and they're executing. Yeah, they really are. And again, they had I think a top twenty-five class. I'd have to go back and look in his first uh, full cycle. Obviously, just landed Elijah Rushing. Now seemed to be trending. A four-star quarterback, Demond Williams. So things definitely looking up both on the field and on the trail for Jed Fish and the Arizona Wild uh, Arizona Wildcats. Excuse me. All right, last question. This one actually from me. I'm curious. I think we've talked about it before, but always good to hear your guys' thoughts. So, as recruiting scouting analysts that you guys are, rank the three most hectic times in your mind of the recruiting calendar on a yearly basis. I think I have my three, but I'm I'm curious to hear hear what your guys is where you guys are. Any of you can question. start. I can start too. I think it's June, right when visits open up. I'd actually start with July 4th now. And then I think June when visits open up. And then I think signing day in December. I think it depends who you're, you know, like you as a producer might have a different vantage point. Steve, you know, in terms of the, the scoop side, will have a different vantage point. You know, I think our regional analysts, depending on their responsibilities, us in the in the scouting realm, I think. Drew, that little two-week stretch where it's like Elite 11, OT7, uh, Future 50 down in Tampa. Um, and you you are a lot more on the uh, on the travel side of it than I am. Um, I don't know. It, to me, it's kind of been interesting being on the media side and being like, signing day is not what I thought it would be. You know, I thought it would be like walking into like Wolf of Wall Street. Phones would be ringing. And, you know, I always thought that on the personnel side, too. And it's pretty you have an idea of where everybody's going. There's maybe a handful of storylines that you're following going into the day. Um, well, well, Ivan's was it was it once like that? I know. I know right now it's not, obviously, because so many kids. Are yeah, no, I, I think it is. Was it once? I think it has changed so much in the past two to three years. And like it hasn't let up <laughs> like the current calendar. You toss in the transfer portal. It, it like you want to know why guys are leaving for the NFL. Like they're burnt out. Like I'm talking about on the on the on the collegiate side. I, I So you want me to rank the. The worst times of the year, in my eyes. <laughs> I mean, you rank, you know, rank a couple or just give a couple. I, okay, I, I rank, think you could just. I think, okay, for, I think November to Christmas is terrible. November, 
is the start. So you go from Thanksgiving to Christmas. I think that stretch is is brutal. You have all the flips, flip season, right? And then for me, you know, you do all the signing day stuff. It's two or three days before Christmas. Right after Christmas, you have the Under Armour game. Then you go to the All-American Bowl. You're trying to finish up rankings. Then down in Florida, you have all these big tournaments. That goes right into National Signing Day. On top of all that, every school has now moved on to the next cycle. So you have all these junior days. I think that stretch is, is brutal. I think it's, you know, it's, it's not fun. Um, I, w- I would agree June and July is getting – getting it's getting pretty it's it's up there and like i'd be fine with it if these kids could sign in july but it's like what what are we doing here um so i would say that that stretch in december and january is probably worse than the summer months um but i would put a rankings release as as the most stressful (laughs) any rankings release and then i i I was trying to write like what is the best time of the year i don't even know like august maybe (laughs) september yeah august and you know, you have the dead period. It's kind of interesting. Once you get in the season, it's kind of there's a little bit of a lull, right? Um, just depending on who you are. Um, ironically enough, I went and played golf over the weekend, and I got paired up with a coach, an FBS coach. Just ironically, you know, I was playing solo around, and then you know they pair you up, and ended up getting paired up with somebody that actually we had a, a lot in common. Quick, quick lot, question, lot though. Quick connections. question. Yeah. Do you, and you don't have to name the guy. Have we heard of him before? No. Okay. No, more than likely not. Um, position coach, I assume. Position coach. Yeah. yeah. And we, we, you know, I was asking him, you know, like I played nine holes together and I was just asking him, I'm like, what is this time of year like for you? And he's like, you know, you see all these guys leaving for the NFL. And it's hard to blame. It's just, it's relentless, it never stops. You know, like the the constant maintenance of not only roster construction, but of roster defense, (laughs) roster defense, but also roster maintenance, which is, you know, you have to you have to maintain the players on like the, the guys in your program need attention as well. Right. It's not always just, hey, we're on the offense here. We're, we're, We're trying to get better. We're trying to improve our roster. Like what Andrew just said about roster defense and making sure that you have your house in order. And depending on where you are, like, it's a food chain. College football is a hierarchy, right? So these things that are happening in a group of five programs where, you know, scouts, NFL scouts will go through programs in the southeast or coast to coast, and they'll go through group of five programs, and then they'll They'll go to ultimately at the end of the day, they'll end up at a program like Alabama or Georgia or somewhere else. And if you're smart and if you're an NFL liaison or a coach, what you're probably saying is, hey, have you seen any players out there that you like? Oh, well, yeah, there's this guy right down the road, 60 miles at this group of five school. I think he's got a, a shot. Oh, really? Do what you need to do. Is this open, what the guy open the open the lines of communication is done? Yes, this... verbatim. Holy, I haven't heard that yet. Right. So, you know, I think I think that's the beauty of the game of golf, especially when you play at an amateur level like we do, <laughs> is you never know who you're going to meet on the course. You're paired up with some some random. If you don't go in a foursome where no one's coming with you, 
if you're just by yourself or you're a you're a duo and you get paired up with a third, you never know who you're going to meet on the golf course. And sometimes you can, in your case, Cooper, run into an FBS position coach who uh, really dishes some dirt and kind of gives you the uh, inside look at a roster defense per se. I already, I, yeah, I already know. I, just, I already know what school this guy's from. Come on, man. <laughs> I just I just put the, all the all of it together. I played with. Um, Played yesterday, snuck out in the evening, played nine. Nice. And I played with a guy yesterday. Like he, he didn't say a word to me. Young guy. That's okay too. Sometimes that's the best partner. Had the AirPods in. New generation, man. I'm not a big listen to music guy as I play. I don't really listen with AirPods. I like to kind of be. If I ever play by myself, I'm kind of just to my own thoughts. I think that's yeah. some of the best times to play. Swing thoughts. Own swing thoughts. You know, just kind of walking from hole to hole, just kind of. <laughs> You know, you're a walker. About what, I'm a walker. I'll even walk 18. That that one weekend where I played like 54 dude, holes, mm-hmm. I walked all 54. I walk. I have a hand cart. I don't put it on my back. I have a hand cart, admittedly, but I walk. I walk. But good question. Good question by me. Good question by uh, John, <laughs> Earl, Ryan, Nick. Uh, good question by me. If you want to uh, to have your question answered, make sure to. Uh, so was there, a, was there was there a consensus on the worst time of the year or is it just i think i think it's i mean i don't want to sound like i'm complaining but i do i was on vacation last week and still did work because we had a couple commitments over july so that was kind of annoying uh that 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 takes the cake for the worst time of the year for me all right well on december 18th or whatever i'll ask you if this is the worst <laughs> Hey, dude, I've been through signing days, and especially with the recruiting show, too. Man, it's it's not fun. Um, but but yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 part of the job, right? It's it's what we get paid the, the big bucks for, and it's what we love to do. Uh, but again, good questions from everyone. If you want your questions answered on our next mailbag, uh, make sure to comment on Twitter. Also, make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five stars. We love them. And leave your question. Always good questions on Apple Podcast. Any final thoughts? I love signing off like this. Any final thoughts from either of you guys, Ivan's? Again, you're headed off to your honeymoon, man. Enjoy. When this is out, I'll be on my honeymoon. So wow. So you'll be able to sit by the pool, listen, critique, think about your performance on this podcast, and come back from your honeymoon better than ever. Correct. 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 Do y'all listen to our podcast after we do it? Sometimes I also edit them. So I listen to them while I'm editing them. So it's like, am I going to edit them? Listen, right. finish editing them, publish them, listen again. I also don't have that much time to listen. Drew, do you listen to? Them? I mean, to be honest, not really. Oh, I listen yeah. to, I listen to a lot of podcasts though. I'm a, I'm a run in podcast guy. Hmm. Are you more like, do you listen to podcasts to get away from sports, or do you have some sports podcasts you listen to? Sports podcast, yeah. Try, always trying to learn. <laughs> Love that, dude. Growth, growth. Well, they mindset. say you should learn something new every day. That's that's a that's what they say. I don't know who they is, who they are, but that's what they say. Um, you should learn something new every day. Um, Cooper, any, well, any final thoughts? For, for, for example, Sorry, for example, Wembenyama, like his opening summer it? league performance you know pretty bad i think but interesting to hear nba evaluators break down what they saw like that applies to us so that's you know that's what i'm always looking for all right so like in a 
in a nutshell, what was the what was the common response there? Well, it's it's the equivalent of let's say Jeremiah or uh, Arch Manning, for example, right? Everyone's expecting this. Doesn't look great right away. Spring game. Spring game. And just I just think it's the reaction to Victor. Uh, how, how do you say the last name? Of course, Wem, Wembenyama. Wembenyama. Um, that is like society in a whole. If you're trying to, if you're trying to, like, if, if somebody came down and right now and says, "All right, where, where is society at?" That that's it. I mean, you get on Twitter and it's like not the real world. I mean, the poor guy. What is he? Nineteen years old. Number one pick, supposed to be generational. He's got a tough summer league game. He comes out after, completely owns it, and said, I had no idea what I was doing out there. I'm still trying to get a feel for this. And it's like, all right, one, with that mentality, you know this this kid is going to be legit. Two, it's like, what are we doing? Everybody is so quick. Oh, this guy's a bust, or he sucks, or Scoot Henderson, or Adam Miller, or whatever. It's like. Everybody's sitting on their phones, sitting on their couch, tweeting. Well, you, Probably you, never played basketball in their lives. You saw that Pop basically told him to try things, <laughs> experiment, see what you can do right. against NBA-level yeah, defenders. It's, it's the summer league, man. That's what I say at the end of the day. It's the summer league. Every, everyone is so so ready to sell stock. Yeah, just maybe like, he was like just attracted by the whole Britney Spears debacle. That could have been on his mind too. That's yeah, a that's a it's a story for another episode. That is, but uh, but any final thoughts from you, Coop, before we wrap up? <laughs> no, no, we just, we just I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We've thoughts? talked okay, about we've talked about Wimby. Thought. We've uh, we've talked about my golf game. We've we've aired it out, man. I'm good. Nice. I'm ready for this move to Nashville two weeks from now. Ooh, so that is exciting. Just getting ready for it, man. Loading up on the flannels, growing my beard out, trying to get a real uh, Jackson Maine Bradley Coop type of vibe going on you know so ready to go those are my final thoughts nice getting ready for nashville studying up on the predators studying up on on the titans studying up on nashville fc so you can ingratiate yourself in the culture of nashville sports uh moving forward so big not a soccer guy so don't don't worry about that maybe no nashville fc but the titans and predators for sure uh ivan's enjoy your honeymoon uh coop enjoy whatever you're doing on the rest of this tuesday um I have a lot of things on my plate as well. Uh, so we'll close it out here for myself, the producer, producer Lance. And of I didn't know you were closing out. Well, I, I took the reins at the beginning. I thought I might as well end it no, myself. All right, keep going. Okay. Sorry, All right. So Hope for myself, Lance, and of course, our two hosts, Cooper and Andrew, thanks for listening to the Football Recruiting Podcast. We will see you later in the week. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.